Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. Hey, we're Aaron and Jennifer Smith with Marriage After God. Helping you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. And today we're going to share with you our story, the good, the bad, the ugly, in the hopes that it encourages you and lets you know that you're not alone in your marriage. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. We are so excited about today's episode. We're jumping in to share our story, some background on who we are, where we came from, how we met, and then um, our marriage leading up to this point. And I just wanted to remind you, some of you may know, some of you may mm. not know, but The Unveiled Wife is a book I wrote about the first four years of our marriage. And so if you're interested in getting even more details, you need to check that out. Yeah. Um, you can go to shop.unveiledwife.com to get that. Um, the other reason why we are sharing this today with you is because so many of you have left comments asking for it. You guys mm-hmm. wanted to know more about us and more about our story. So we are willing to share and we're excited about it. Yeah, one of the guys that left a comment was asking, you know, how did you get to where you are now? Because like, it's easy to see our life now. Even we think about it, like, how did we get to here mm-hmm. when we were there? Um, and our hope is that you recognize that there's hope for your marriage, that we didn't just all of a sudden poof, you know, get to where we're at. And we actually have a long journey ahead of us still, but yeah. um, God can do miracles and he can also change us when we let him. And so we want to share with you where we came from and how we are, where we are today. I also want to encourage you. I feel like um, this happened a lot in our marriage where we got to a point where we wanted to give up or the struggle seemed too hard and we mm-hmm. couldn't foresee a future together. And it was just that yeah. one day where someone said something encouraging or that one day where we saw something on Facebook mm-hmm. that encouraged us to be intimate or have a conversation yeah. or hold hands. And so the main reason why Aaron and I are so passionate about our ministry um, to encourage couples is for that hope that you guys receive daily. So we, our hope is that you are receiving that hope. Yeah, and the biggest catalyst, we, we bring this up often in the book, we bring it up often on our, our, our social media sites. The biggest catalyst for transformation in our lives was when we sat at a table with other married couples mm-hmm. who were pursuing God together, and they shared their stories. Yep. They shared their dirty laundry with us, and all of how a sudden, God was changing them. And all of a sudden, there's this relief that you're not alone. Like you're yeah. not, even if the stories aren't exactly the same, the struggles, the struggles are struggles, yeah. and knowing that you're not alone in that is just—it's almost comforting. Yeah, and there's power in our testimonies mm-hmm. that. Uh, it frees us from feeling like we're, you know, we we stayed in the dark for so long with things yeah. that we were going through because we thought we were the only ones yeah. going through it. Yeah. Which looking back, we're like, that's crazy because we get emails daily yeah. of people saying how they're going through things that we went through, are currently going through, um, and going through things that we never did, mm-hmm. but they have people just like them. So we're going to jump into our story. We're just going to start at the beginning, and we're just going to walk through some of the main um, details, the main uh, milestones of our life. And we just hope it encourages you guys. And maybe we'll share a little bit of um, insights as we go yeah. of things that we learned along the way. Um, and of course, we're always learning. So hope you enjoy. <laughs> so Aaron and I both grew up in Christian homes. Um, they looked a little bit different, but um, our parents knew who God was. Mm-hmm. They took us to church. Um, I come from a blended family. So my parents divorced when I was four and remarried um, shortly after that. They, but they both remarried and had more children. So um, I come from a big family. There's seven siblings all together, um, but like I said, different parents. So it was um, it was fun growing up, but it was a little chaotic at times too. Um, but but I did grow up knowing who God was. And if someone ever asked me my testimony, I would tell them, I feel like I've always walked with Jesus. Like I always knew who He was. Um, but in seventh grade, that's when I really gave my heart to Him and decided I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to give my life to Him. And I was baptized, and I. Haven't looked back. Although I've had struggles along the way, I've always been with him. 
Yeah, and so for me, I was raised in a Christian home too. Um, both my parents are still together, and they uh, are what they call, what you call first generation Christians. So they weren't raised by Christians, but they both got saved um, after getting married. And so they raised me in a home where we read the Bible. You know, we prayed every night. My parents took me to church every Sunday. Uh, I was raised in the church. Um, and, you know, a lot of the schools I went to as a kid were church schools until I was in high school or junior high and high school. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, they raised me to know God. Um, I got saved when I was 18. You got to tell them the story, though. Yeah. Because I, I think it's powerful. Yeah, so when I was, uh, you know, 17 years old, um, I wasn't being rebellious because I was mad at God or because I was mad at my parents. It was mostly because I was bored, uh, trying things, wanting to fit in in certain areas of my, you know, social circles. And, you know, there was a point in my life, um, at 17 and a half years old, actually, I, cause I, because I was raised in a Christian home, I was always a part of Bible studies and youth groups and things like that, even though I wasn't walking it out um, outside the home. Mm. Uh, but one night I'm leaving a Bible study and I just remember driving home. I'm by myself in the car and I remember God calling to me and just saying, Aaron, what are you going to do when, you know, what, what's, what's your funeral going to be like? He asked me, he went straight to like my death <laughs> and he's like, who's going to be there? And the people that do show up, what are they going to say about you? And he really shined a light on me and said, like, if you want um, a, if you want to uh, walk in a calling, if you want to have a purpose in this world, mm. you're going to find it in me. It's crazy that he went to the end to show you yeah. what that looks like right now. So not that I'm pursuing having lots of people say good things about me, but that moment was he showed me, he's like, if you want to have purpose in this world, you're going to find it in me. And, and he's I, asking you, what legacy yeah. are you leaving? And what legacy am I leaving? And so in the car by myself, I, I said, yes, God, I'm going to follow you from this day forward. And I know that you're going to, you're going to give me a purpose. Mm -hmm. And uh, my purpose ever since then has been following God. <laughs> and so that, again, we have struggles still, and we'll get to those in a second. But that was my transformation story. My conversion to Christianity was in the car driving by myself. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so you were praying for other things shortly after that moment. Do you want to share about that? Yeah, so I began um, praying for a spouse. Um, I went through a season before that of dating and just like <laughs> weird relationships that I, and I hated, I hated dating. I hated the dating scene. So I, after getting saved, I just said, okay, Lord, um, I'm not going to pursue any girls. I'm just going to, I'm just going to pursue you. Uh, and I, when, when you want me to start changing my heart and mind on that, that you would do that. And so I just get, gave God permission to Show you who your wife would be. Show me who my wife would be, which is, sounds weird, but that's exactly what I did. And so for three years, I didn't date anyone. I didn't. I just volunteered at my youth group. I, you know, became a youth pastor. You know, we went to Bible studies, and I just said, "Okay, Lord, I'm not going to do this until you want me to." Until the time came that my heart started changing, and I felt like God was saying, "Like, hey, I, I want you to start thinking about this." He didn't necessarily show me who my wife was going to be, but he, my heart definitely changed, and so. Um, in that season of going from not wanting to date at all and now I'm in a season I'm like okay now what does this even look like do I just start dating do I just start you know what do I do um, I felt this this urge and I, and I told God and I said okay this is what I'm going to do there's a bunch of you know awesome Christian girls in my community and that I've you know kind of interested in um, not all at the same time but I just said what I'm going to do Lord is I'm going to pursue relationships in the, on the friendship level with you know, someone that I, I think, you know, might, you know, I might be interested in. And I gave God permission again. I said, but Lord, if that's not who you want, you would change my heart. Mm. And that happened. You know, I, I started, you know, I would start hanging out with this one girl. We wouldn't hold hands or do anything. We were, there was no dating. It was just friendship. spending friendship, yeah. spending Spend time, time getting to know them, figuring who, you know, who they are and, you know, if it would work. And then what would happen out of nowhere is any emotions I had for that girl would just vanish. Mm. And it would, I would just not have any interest at all. And that happened several times over a year and a half. And so it was really cool that God did that. He was, he was faithful in this. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And he actually did change my heart and perspective. And so that leads me to you. Yeah, you say so, your side of it now. Yeah, I started going to this Bible study when I was about 15, and it was a small Bible study. Over a year's time, it grew mm -hmm. really big and really fast, um, just in someone's garage who was willing to lead it yeah. out of our church. And Aaron 
started showing up and Aaron's personality is so different from mine. I'm the quiet, introvert, reserved, back of the room, back of the room kind of girl. And Aaron's the like in your face, front and center, bold. I'll say whatever I feel like because I just have this personality. I've toned it down a little bit over the years. Oh, totally different, totally different, (laughs) but still um, very like social and just easy to hang around. And so anytime he was there, there was just this circle around him of friends that were just interested to hear what he had to say or or conversing with them i you if, make me seem much more interesting than i th- or interesting than i thought i was <laughs> you're pretty I was cool he's pretty cool and he's two years older than me so i just had this you know blush all over my face of just yeah. being almost embarrassed around you because i liked you so much and i didn't know he had no yeah. idea because of course i didn't say anything um but anytime i got to be a part of that circle i was so quiet i don't even know if you mm. probably realized i snuck up I didn't, <laughs> but no. uh, I I really did have this liking for Aaron and um, just was very slow to pursue that friendship. Mm-hmm. But eventually, over time, because we had similar friends, we hung out more and we just kind of formed. And it overlapped a little bit during the time that I was, you know, spending time with other girls. Yeah. In that pursuit and them getting turned off in my heart and. Um, so it was a little bit of overlap towards the end of that yeah. little season. And because I liked you so much, I did try and find ways to hang out with you and, yeah. um, you know, whatever it was, mm-hmm. even if it was a group date where there was a lot of people going to this one thing, I always, you right. know, tried to chat a few times, yeah. at least chat with you during that time or, or whatever. Um, there was even a few times that I got to hang out with your parents because I thought, Oh, if I hang out with his parents, I might see him when he gets off yeah. work or how when you, you spent a lot of time with my cousin too. Your cousin to, was living to, with yeah. you at the time and we went to the same high school. And so, yeah, I would pick him up for school and we'd hang out. So mm-hmm. I did see you. Um, and then, and then there was just this, this moment where God kind of showed you. Well, yeah. On the, so in the same way, God turned off my attraction and emotion for these other girls, uh, out of nowhere, an attraction turned on in me to Jennifer. Finally. I took a long <laughs> It was time. like a, it was the same sort of scenario, but opposite. So instead of me pursuing Jen, cause I wasn't even pursuing you the way I was pursuing no. these other relationships. Yeah. So we were just, I literally didn't have uh, the way I was thinking about those other relationships and asking God if these are the ones I wasn't doing that with Jennifer, mm-hmm. but I was spending time with her as a friend and we, you know, we did things and then out of nowhere it snapped on and I was like, Oh, we're, I'm gonna marry you. That's what I th- I thought out of nowhere, and, I, and even though we didn't, I didn't tell you that right away. It was I, it was in me. I was like, oh, this is a and it motivated you to spend more time with me. And yeah. So we did yep. form formulate this friendship, and um, I ended up volunteering with you at your church, and we just mm-hmm. became really close. And um, and then there came a point where you asked me out, and we became. Mm-hmm boyfriend and girlfriend and we just knew at that point that it was like when well, I told her I said yes to I marriage. said I I'm, I'm not interested in doing this if if our minds aren't on marriage right um, whether or not we would for sure get married I just said like I'm not interested in playing yeah like if we're gonna do this like both of our minds have to be thinking mm-hmm. about marriage yeah and that that's gonna be a goal yeah um, we didn't know when but it was very clear up front uh, so and we, you already, you had already decided. It sounds like before. Oh yeah, before, before I said you even that, said, "Do you want to be my girlfriend?" I was like, "Come on." She was already like ready, <laughs> ready. to marry me. <laughs> I always um, knew I wanted. If I would have asked you to marry me right then, you probably, I probably would have said, would have said yes. yes. So I've always want. I always wanted to get married young. I always saw myself as a wife, and I think because my parents yeah. divorced when I was so young, I always had this determination that um, I was going to be the best wife, and my marriage mm-hmm. was going to be the best marriage, and that divorce wasn't even going to be a thought because I thought I'd do it different than my parents. But it's so funny how it doesn't really matter even what you went through before um, with parents that (laughs) divorce is a real thing and people have real conversations about them. Mm -hmm. And even if you are someone who is convicted that it's never going to be an option, it very well could come up um, just because... It comes up pretty quick. Yeah. So um, just want to encourage those of you who may be in that spot right now yeah. who are thinking, you know, I never thought divorce would be an option, but here I am actually wrestling with the real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, please give your marriage some more time and just um, keep listening to the show because I think you'll be encouraged enough to uh, persevere through the hard times. Yeah. And so we end up, um, we get engaged. So we dated for a year and a yeah. half, had a, an amazing time. And then you asked me to be your wife. Yeah, and then we were engaged for six, six months. months. So two years total as official together. Uh, but we knew each other for a couple of years before that. Um, 
And then, so we get, so six months we get married. It's really fast. We do the wedding. And then, you know, oh, so I'm going to go back to just how we, so we're both technically virgins when we got married. Um, we've never had intercourse outside of marriage. With past relationships, um, we had been unpure. And- yeah, we've had, um, I wouldn't say we've been perfectly pure. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done things sexually mm-hmm. outside of this relationship. We weren't perfectly pure during our dating and engagement mm-hmm. season, mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, we've repented of, yeah. and we and we, we learned through that, mm-hmm. and we'd never suggest that. Yeah. Um, as you can tell, we're probably thinking this, t- like, okay, it's, now it's about time. We just had all we've these expectations of yeah. what, we had all these expectations of what marriage would be like, and it would be like this beautiful expression of how we truly felt about each other in my whole life because of things that I struggled with you know I, I you know I was addicted to pornography that was and my life just so people know this was a conversation that we had during our um, so you were aware of it, it dating wasn't and engagement yep I, I knew about yeah. it and I think I I had this um notion that all guys struggled with it. Like, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Well, that's what we're all told. Uh, it's every man's battle. I I just thought it was something that everyone did. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was ashamed of it. And I also, you know, I sought counsel on it. And I got prayer for it. And I repented of it whenever I, you know, would fall into it. And, and I think we both thought in different ways that marriage would fix it. I think that you thought... I for sure thought it I thought, I was like, all I need is... Sex. An, an you need the real thing. I just need the real thing. Yeah. And I because, thought that if I could be that for him, then it would also be fixed. Yeah, which so I, think, our wedding night. I think that kind of expectation too probably hindered this problem that we had even on a bigger worse. level because yeah. the expectation was like yeah way up here and we had no clue okay so wedding night comes yeah. we're both exhausted but excited and it was terrible we so just to uh, we don't want to get too graphic with anything but we just we couldn't have sex mm-hmm. uh it didn't work um it was really painful for me yeah which i know and, and so in the first couple of days it's like we've been told that it could be painful and um, because that's, I think that's normal, especially being a virgin. Mm-hmm. And then two days turns into a week. And turned then into a couple months. Turns into a couple months. Which lasted a total of almost four years. If pretty much four years of us. I think there was a handful of times that it kind of worked, but it was never not painful. Like, it was always painful. So I in mean, reality, it never worked. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so that was just a, a big jump of the four years is that was a main factor in where we were at mm-hmm. um, emotionally and spiritually is we couldn't be intimate with each other. Mm-hmm. Now, on top of that, I was still addicted to pornography. Mm-hmm. And guess what happened? This area amplified that area. Um, and during that season, you struggled a bit with pornography as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not nearly to the extent that I was not at, right but, away, but I'd say probably two and a half years into our right. marriage where I was really unhappy and I just thought like we were done. Like, I didn't know. Well, because things weren't working, we got more and more angry at God. We're like, more weren't we, you know, I, I was a pastor and I, we love you, God. And we've saved ourselves from marriage and we, we did all the right things. Mm-hmm. Don't you owe us this God? Didn't I you say I this is. I deserved it. We thought we deserved it. We thought he owed us as if he was punishing us. And then, so on top of we thinking he owes us, we think he is disciplining us. We're like, well, he's punishing us because we were impure a handful mm-hmm. of times when we were dating and because of my porn addiction. And, and to be honest, he probably was, he could have been punishing me because he disciplines those he loves. Well, but that I also doesn't think change. Like, because he didn't fix the issue for us and he didn't bless us in that area, I thought, oh, he's mad at us. So why would I yeah. want to walk in a relationship with someone that's angry at you and so I started to pull away in my relationship with God and also with you so became very isolated and Mm -hmm. really lonely it's I I hate that I was so excited about um, being married because I thought my best friend forever like I'm gonna be with you all the time and here I am feeling more lonely than I did we felt pretty lonely pretty lonely and and you know what during this four years what were we doing well, we were trying to serve God. We were serving God. We were like missionaries. And the first half we were missionaries. The second half we were trying to get involved in church and and you know yeah and be a part of a marriage ministry. That it was just really it was really hard to serve when our mindset and our hearts were in a wrong place. Yeah. So internally, we're breaking more and more, getting more and more bitter at each other. Um, we we're fighting all the time. Pretty much like every day, we especially we, we didn't even know how much we bickered yeah. until a friend one day said, "You guys need to stop it." Yeah, we're like, "Stop like what?" He's like, that. "He's like, do you hear how you're talking to each other?" Yeah, and then bad. like uh, that same friend like called me out hardcore on how I was talking to Jennifer, and he's like, 
He's like, stop talking to her that way. Like yelled at me in the car and I'm just like, <laughs> so anyways, we were like the internal struggles that we were going through on the outside. No one knew. Well, it's because we're okay, like these good Christians doing missionary. But people work probably and, wonder like, well, why didn't you talk to anyone about it? Okay. Talking about sex is not easy. Talking about sex problems is definitely not easy. It felt embarrassing yeah. to me to tell someone that yeah. I'm the problem in our marriage. That And I there was a probably one or two times that we actually did try talking to someone. We talked to a nurse, friend of ours. Yeah, a lot of and people... And she was like, you know, hey, you know, you're young and it should be working. And then she's like, why don't you try this? And why don't you... you I had a gynecologist a tell me the exact same thing. People are yeah. like, people would ask me or leave comments on social media. Why don't you just go to the doctors? I did. And yeah. And they would tell us, be like, nope, nothing should be wrong. You're perfectly be- healthy. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're just, there's something else wrong and we don't know what's going on. Um, and that made me feel broken, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally. And I got more angry because I kept thinking like, go to the doctors and we're going to find out something's wrong. I'd and rather then, have found something out yeah. that was wrong because then I can at least whatever it would have been. be sorrowful over it. Or like, figure out a solution. <laughs> or figure maybe. out a solution. But then she would come There's home no and she'd be like, no, the doctor said I'm healthy. And then I'm just like, cool. Then there's literally no answer. We're just here. And no matter how much I prayed, and we prayed every single day. We'd pray during trying to have mm-hmm. sex. We would pray afterwards. We would pray. And it felt like nothing yeah. would make a difference. Yeah. And again, this this area of our life, intimacy, which is such a huge area, um, amplified problems in just about every other area that you can think I of. I felt more justified in my addictions. I was like, well, I can't get it from you, so if I can't get it from you and I can't get it, I'm not going to go cheat. I'm just going to get it here. Yeah. Not that it, that was not right, but that was something that was just, I was justifying my sin because of this area of our life. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of when, when two people get married is embracing oneness and unity in marriage. And I felt like we couldn't do that. And so when it came to like finances or, or making decisions, mm-hmm. like we really didn't know how to embrace unity in any of those areas. No, and, and in reality, we realized um, how selfish we were. Yeah. We were both very selfish. So it was, we had way wrong expectations for each other. Um, I um, had sexual expectations of you that were completely distorted, s- distorted because <laughs> of my addiction. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my desire, my sex drive was way too high. Um, not that this is what caused the problem, but this added a layer of anxiety and hurt and frustration to you because mm-hmm. you're like more often being, realizing like I can't even fulfill this mm-hmm. basic need of my husband's yeah. um, nor did you even have a desire for it mm-hmm. and that hurt me because I'm like you have no desire for this that means you don't have a desire for me but You're I did have a desire for you I just yeah. didn't want it to hurt and so there was this conflict in my mind and my heart and apprehension of because it because of your pain. bitterness though and because of your anger towards God you did get to a point of not wanting it not wanting me that's true that's you true. wanted you would avoid me and yeah. you would um, go to bed early or late mm-hmm. you would I signed up for some college courses just so that I to get busy. away from me or from church and <laughs> yeah. and so what happens when we're going through these we through hard them. trials two things can happen I did one two things can happen we can grow closer to God and to each other as we, depending on our perspective or we can allow it to spread us apart mm-hmm. We were allowing it to take us apart. We yeah. went further from God, further from each other. Yeah. And we, it was just wrong of us. Mm-hmm. And how did, why don't you tell them the story of how God started to change this in us? Well, we um, were, we had moved back home after doing traveling mm-hmm. for some missions um, with a missions organization for a few years. And mm-hmm. um, we moved back home more specifically to get out of debt because we mm-hmm. knew that our finances were out of order. And we, we didn't realize that God was going to get a hold of our hearts and a hold of our marriage. Yeah. Um, but thank God he did. So we, we were living at home. We, when I say home, that's back in California with yeah. where our parents are and most of our family. And mm-hmm. you invited me to a marriage ministry through the church. It was on Wednesday nights. And I found out about it and I was like, we need to do something because we're getting, this is it. Like if we don't fix this, it's gone. Yeah. And at first I didn't want to go. Um, I, because I was so angry at God, I didn't even want to step foot in the church at that point. I just, because I knew it would break my heart. To, to feel all those heavy and intense mm-hmm. feelings towards him. And so I avoided it as much as I could. Well, and the guilt of being before God. Like you you told me that that you you didn't feel ready to go and be before God. Yeah, yeah, I didn't because we were both wrestling with different sins and we hadn't yeah. addressed them yet and things like that. But um, after you had asked me like, 
I think two or three more times, yeah. I knew in my heart that if I said no to not to going, it was an ultimate no. I was saying, I'm not going to try anymore. And we're done. That's and we're done. Saying, yeah. And I just, although I was very close to that point mm-hmm. of saying, of having an ultimate no in my heart, I, I still wanted us to work. Mm-hmm. And so I went and that was the beginning of our healing. Really. Yeah. So I want to encourage you out there. If you guys are in a hard place and you feel like you're just so close to it being done, listen to the Holy Spirit. Because even though we were so angry and so frustrated and so bitter, even with God, we kept listening. And like, so Jennifer was, because she, she was not t- saying no to me, it would have been a no to God. Mm-hmm. And she knew that. Yeah. She, so she knew I was asking her. Because I was prompting because I felt God saying like, you need to do this. Mm-hmm. You need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And you finally got to a point of like, if I say no to this, it's over. Yeah. And so she was hearing that, that quiet prompting mm-hmm. from the Lord. And so she said yes to God. Mm-hmm. And so I want to encourage you, if you're right there, keep saying yes to God. Even in the hard things, in those little things, you're like, no, we need to, I'm going to say yes to God. I'm not saying yes to my husband and I'm not saying yes to my wife. I'm saying yes to God. And I'm going to keep saying yes to him. Because what will happen is he will change you. He will change your life. He will fix your marriage if we keep saying yes to him. I also want to encourage those listening that if you feel prompted to invite your spouse to pray, invite your spouse to church, invite your spouse to participate in community or counseling or mm -hmm. whatever it is that the Lord might be prompting you, invite them. Even if you have to keep keep inviting them because some, I, I feel like it would have been really easy for you to say, I'm not even going to worry about that, or I don't want to go, or I definitely don't want to. I know wanna, she's going to say, no, I'm not yeah. going to do it again. Or, yeah, and justify yeah. not even asking, or or maybe just being over it yourself, but mm-hmm. you were brave enough to invite me, and not just once. And so I just want to encourage those listening that if you feel prompted to invite your spouse mm-hmm. to participate in something that could potentially save your marriage, do it. Even if it feels mm-hmm. hard, even if you, even if you get rejected, over feel, and over or, and over or again. you feel doubt that they're gonna um, say yes or no, like I just want to encourage you to do yeah. it anyways. So we start going to this marriage ministry at our church, and we would sit around a table, and like we said at the beginning of this, uh, other couples would t- we would share what they're going through based off of the topic of the night. And honestly, it was the first time that we had experienced people opening up honestly about their marriage. We had heard different types Everyone of... Everyone else's marriages seem perfect. <laughs> yeah, especially on social media. <laughs> but um, but even in our culture, in movies yeah. and whatever, like you don't see people honestly talking about Mm-mm. marriage No, we, we see all the pretty snapshots yeah. in everyone's life. We did the same thing, though. We hid under our masks, under our veils of you know perfection. And we're like, mm-hmm. oh, we're good Christians and we're happy. <laughs> yeah. And... Deep down, we're dying, yeah. and we're broken, and we're angry, yeah. and we're sad. Uh, and so we're sitting there, and these people are like, you know, yeah, we just got in this huge fight, and you know, like at the end of it, I was, you know, realized I was the wrong one, and I was the one that was even so angry, and and we're just like, oh, they fight like that. We fight like that. Um, Pretty much every Wednesday, some but one of the couples would come and say, "We literally just got in the fight on the way in here, and we didn't want to come in, but we're here, so we're just going to talk to you guys." About and everyone's it. like, "We did too." Yeah, it was so funny. So that relatability that I was talking about mm-hmm. is so important because when we realize that we're not alone in our struggles, there's this comforting aspect that reminds us that we can persevere, that we are yeah. strong enough, and that God is with us, well, walking us through that. And it's the power of confession. The point wasn't that they were all happy with the things that they were struggling with. They were sharing the things they were struggling with so that they can actually be healed of the things they were being struggled mm-hmm. they were struggling with. Or get encouragement, advice, yeah. prayer, a number All of things. All of the things. Yeah. So it's a beautiful gift that God's giving given us of confession that we can actually confess out loud like, hey, this is actually what we're going through. Yeah. We actually don't know how to, to love each other right. Yeah, we're not perfect. And and you know, and then someone, another brother or sister could be like, Well, hey, Here's what it, why don't you do this? Mm-hmm. Here's what the word says. Why don't you try this? Mm-hmm. Let me, now we could pray for you accurately. You know, there's a lot of this, um, just thinking about openness. Um, you probably hear this all the time. Like, oh, I have an unspoken prayer request. Speak it. <laughs> Speak it. What is this prayer request? Your husband struggles with pornography. My husband struggles with pornography. He needs prayer. I know you're probably afraid of then being judged, but that's the point is that we actually find true healing and we cannot do that if brothers and sisters that we trust and walk with can't actually know us. 
I also want to share this about community, something that I witnessed and, and experienced for myself. I always wondered, you know, in the in the hard times when it was just you, me, and God, why couldn't God just just help us figure it out? Um, but yeah. it was walking with those other couples and in community that I realized God uses other people all the time to speak into yeah. our lives and to comfort us and to, it's almost like it's him doing yeah. it, but he's using other people to do it. And I never experienced that when it was just us two. It wasn't until we really mm-hmm. reached out and engaged in c- Christian community mm-hmm. that I witnessed the power of God through other people's lives. Well, and it's how God wants to do it. And he wants to do that through we us. Like, you know, and he wants to do that through you. Yeah, we like the um, autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's just us and God. You know, it's just we're just doing this on our own. We have our own little relationship with God. And you know what? The whole time it was just us. We were falling apart. Yeah. The moment we said yes to God's way of doing it, meaning we're going to have community. Mm-hmm. We're going to walk with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're not going to be hidden in darkness and in shadows. We're going to be light. Mm-hmm. We're going to walk in light. People are going to know us. They're going to know what we deal with. They're going to know how we think. They're going to know how we feel. They're going to know things we've done. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's God's way that he has us. To, he wants us to walk. Mm-hmm. And so if you're out there and you're walking in autonomy, we tell this people all the time. If you're walking by, it's just you and your husband and God, and no one knows you, no one's allowed in, no one's allowed to know what you struggle with, no one's allowed to know how you think. You just, as long as they're at arm's length and they know that you're good Christians and you have nice conversations every once in a while, but that's it, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) I'm just going to be straightforward with you. God has a way he wants us to live and he wants us to live with one another. The Bible tells us in John chapter 17, it's the high priestly prayer. Jesus says, he prays that we will be one, not just this, but like in the body of Christ mm-hmm. as he and the Father are one. Mm-hmm. You can't do that if you're autonomous and you live on an island and no one can know you. And I think that is a fear that a lot of people, a lot of couples have when it comes to being engaged in community is that it's messy. But the reality is relationships are messy, mm-hmm. but they're also really beautiful. And you won't get to experience the beauty of relationships and of community if you're not also willing to engage with the messiness of it. So we part of this marriage community and we realize we're not alone. Immediately we start feeling better. Mm-hmm. Like just there's like a weight lifted off our shoulders. But Nothing, we're still bickering all the time. We're still fighting all the time. And I'm we, still addicted to pornography. And we still didn't have sex for about a year and a half. Yeah, but, but we were no longer feeling hopeless. We weren't feeling hopeless. It immediately changed our perspective on our marriage. And even though things were still hard and nothing, literally nothing physically changed, mm-hmm. our minds changed. Mm-hmm. You know what the Bible tells us? That we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. Mm-hmm. So our minds were being renewed and our lives were becoming transformed right? Mm-hmm. And so we began to walk in that. And, you know, I didn't quit pornography right away. I still struggled with that uh, in this season. You still struggled with, you know, bitterness and not wanting to pursue me and our and we still couldn't have sex. Mm-hmm. But man, it felt like everything changed yeah. uh, emotionally, spiritually, in our minds. And so again, I want to encourage you, if you're in that, that place, nothing circumstantially might change right away. Mm-hmm. But you know, our perspectives will. Your perspective will. Your spirit will. They'll all of a sudden be hope. You'll be like, oh, this feels good. Mm-hmm. Like there's, a, there's light at the end of this tunnel. And so we didn't know how far the tunnel was. Um, yeah, it wasn't. But it felt easier yeah. to be in the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was about a, a year or so of going to this marriage ministry, maybe a year and a half. And then we um, had a trip coming up to Maui. And it was our first time to Maui. We were super mm-hmm. excited about it. It was part business, part fun. And um, we kind of saw it as like... Well, we put this expectation. We're like, Maui is going to be it. the time. <laughs> this is it. This is like... We a, have no kids, by the way. It's just us. It was just us. Um, and we just felt like it was going to redeem our honeymoon. And it was going to change everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is our second honeymoon, we would say. We're like, hey, this is going to be it. Yeah. So we go to Maui. And we literally tried... Every, every single night. day that we were there and nothing worked and it was still really painful and I was so angry about it. But this whole time that we had been married, I was the emotional one. I was the one that yeah. um, would get hurt or feel like I was broken. Outwardly, visibly Out- emotional. Yeah. Angry, whatever. And you were so good at comforting me or praying with me or telling me mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. You were super patient. I tried to be on the, the outside. Time. On the outside I was that, but... You were wrestling about, yeah. too, sure. So... Um, about two weeks after we got back from Maui, we were um, we were doing photography at the time, and we were on a job, and mm-hmm. I could just see the look on your face was like 
Like you were so depressed and I'd never seen you like that before. And I went up to you and I put my finger in your face and I said, we're on a job. If you can't get it together, go, go out to the car because I didn't want you to ruin like the experience that we were trying to cultivate. Yeah, there. I, uh, because of that trip and because of the expectation I had, I just was like, okay, Lord, this is it. You're going to fix it. And this is our new, our new start. And it felt worse than the last four years, that one trip. Um, in me, I literally gave up. I hadn't given up before. You you had given up before, and you kind of got back. I gave up. I was like, yeah. well, I'm done. I was totally spiritually, physically, mentally, I checked out. Yeah, and you were like that the rest of the day, and then the next day we went to church, and you were like that the whole drive to church, and I was just like, what am I gonna do? I I'm not used to being the one that has to comfort or. I figure this out with like you always did that for me so I was really confused and then I started getting upset and angry and we went to church that day and I thought I thought okay this is it we've tried everything we went to the marriage group we tried Mm -hmm. everything Um, we're probably going to be talking about divorce like we were just both overwhelmed with defeat and uh, during the the sermon which I wasn't even listening to uh, I'm sitting there with my hands in my or my head in my hands between my legs, just like a broken puppy. And you're sitting there, you know, li- trying to listen, but just thinking to yourself, like, well, this is it. Yeah. Like, today we're going to be talking divorce because right? yeah. it had come up in the past and, like, yeah. you'd never see me that way. And I was just thinking, like, I'm done. Like, I, this is never going to work. I don't get it. I, I, I deserve better. I don't, I don't appreciate this, Lord. And just like when I was by myself in the car when I was 17 and a half years old, I felt the Lord speak to me again. And he brought me to the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was kneeling and praying three times. And God showed me a picture of my marriage that I'd never seen before. And he said, Aaron, he said, look what Jesus is doing. And Jesus prayed three times that the cup of wrath would pass him. And three times he said, but not my will be done, but yours be done, Lord. And and I felt the Lord saying, Jesus knew what he was about to die on the cross for. He was about to die for a bride who was going to spit on him, a bride who was going to abandon him, a bride who was going to turn her back on him. And you know what? He said, not my will, but your will be done. And he went to the cross anyway, and he drank that cup of wrath. Mm -hmm. And he said, Aaron, are you willing to accept the bride that you've already accepted? Are you willing to say yes to her, even if she turns her back, even if she can't fulfill the things you want, even if she doesn't, she never treats you the way you think you deserve? Will you do that? And he immediately broke me because I was like, I'm not even being asked to do it, not even a percent of what Jesus did for his bride. Mm-hmm. I'm just being asked to be faithful to my bride, whether I get what I think I want out of her or whether she ever gives me or treats me or does for me what she's supposed to. Will I love her anyway? Will I say, not my will, but your will be done? And it was in that moment that I just broke. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was, it was, I couldn't say no to that because I knew who Jesus was and I knew mm-hmm. what he did for me. And I knew, especially seeing the picture of the Garden of Gethsemane and that prayer that Jesus did in a new light, like, wow, he said yes to me even though I would do what I do even though I would be such a selfish person, even though I would turn my back on him time and time and again with pornography, he still said yes to me and went to the cross for me and accepted me. And so how dare I think anything my wife ever has done to me is worthy of me saying no to her and turning my back on her. Like nothing she's done compares to all the sin of the world falling on the shoulders of one man. Mm. <laughs> And so I, I realized, like, I just have to forgive her and love her anyway. And I'm going to do that from this day forward, whether she ever changes, whether she ever could fulfill for me um, that sexual need that I have. I'm just going to say yes, and I'm going to do it anyway, if nothing ever changes. And I did. Yep. You shared all of that with me right after the service ended. And um, it was so refreshing to hear mm-hmm. your heart on everything about our marriage. Um, but that, that perspective God gave you was pivotal in um, the perseverance that we had throughout the rest of yeah. our marriage. And even still today, we get reminded of that story and it, it gives us the strength to get through yeah. some hard things. So I was really grateful that God revealed that to you mm-hmm. and that it became part of our story. 
Yeah. And so from that day forward, like it, it, it was more than just we had hope. It didn't matter anymore what was going on in our life. I had decided, and you decided with me that we were just yeah. going to, it was going to work. Yeah. Whether we ever, if, whether our, our sex life ever, cha- ever changed, we were going to say yes to each other mm-hmm. and we were going to pursue God and we were just going to trust Him and totally repented of our view yeah. and repented of our way of being our toward each other. We were so selfish. Yeah. And so we, I repented that day and we repented a lot yeah. over that season. And we still repent about how we are sometimes. <laughs> we have to. We have to have hearts that are repentant and want to turn from our selfishness, turn mm-hmm. from our flesh mm-hmm. and continually put our flesh on the cross and say, not our will, but your will be done, Lord. Um, and then uh, you, ha- you know the timeline better. It was literally that, I'm pretty sure it was that same weekend um, or that following week that mm-hmm. um, we discovered that... Um, well, you discovered the issue. <laughs> well, so, yes. I, when I say the Lord speaks to me, I don't ever hear an audible voice. It's almost like he... he prompts he thoughts. Brings, yeah. Yeah, he prompts thoughts, but he brings to remembrance things from my life or from his word. So I never hear him saying, like, here's my special revelation for you, son. Right. He just... So... You were in the shower, yeah. and you um, had this flood of thoughts come mm-hmm. to your mind over a conversation that we had about six months prior with another couple. And sharing we, our brokenness We were sharing sexually. our brokenness, our problem with sex, and um, the wife um, just you know, suggested, she goes, I've never heard of this before. I want to be able to help you guys. But the only thing I can think of is another friend of mine had PCOS and she went all organic to try and help some of the symptoms. And she actually ended up getting pregnant within three months of switching to all organic products, changing all all of her products in the home. And at the time we didn't know anything about really organics or GMOs or healthy living or anything really. And so we threw it out. We were like, well, that doesn't apply to us. We're not trying to get pregnant. We're just trying to have sex. And so, we don't have PCOS. And <laughs> yeah. And so um, so you're in the shower and you have yeah, so this I just, I, I, epiphany. Well, that story of this, this, this couple that told us about this woman who had PCOS and how she switched to organic came to my mind. And I'm in the shower and I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, what does that even mean? Like, why would that, it just out of nowhere popped into my mind. And then I just started thinking like, I wonder like if maybe something jennifer is using or if there's something that like could be actually like harming her body and so i i you started thinking what what has she been using because you went straight yeah. to her face wash you were like yeah i know yeah, well i asked that. i asked her what she's been using I, it was i was trying to prompt her i said what have you been using ever since before we were married and she used this um, face wash every day for our whole her whole life because as a teenager i had really bad acne and yeah. i was afraid of getting acne again because the only thing that worked was this yeah. face wash and what's hard about telling this story to some people is it's not a very spiritual story, <laughs> but it is. So I, I, I get presented this idea. So I start thinking, I'm like, okay, well, what could it hurt? I'm going to just, I took her face wash. I started researching every you chemical that was in this face Googling. wash, which there's like this much chemicals in it. Yeah, there's a lot. And you know, most of the chemicals, there was nothing weird about them, but there was a handful of chemicals in this face wash that um, the the site that I was researching it on said that they mimicked estrogen and the chemicals are called parabens. I don't know if you guys have noticed lately, but almost every product nowadays says no parabens or paraben free. It's definitely Um, a trend. It wasn't like that back when we were figuring this out. Um, So there should be something to be said about that. (laughs) But anyways, I just said, Hey babe, like these, it says that it mimics estrogen. Um, They were known endocrine disruptors. Yeah. They're called endocrine, endocrine disruptors, which is a main, um, gland system in the in the body that deals with sexual um, function deals with a lot of things and so i was like hey like i know you love this face wash i know you don't like breaking out i said why don't we just try it let's just clean up what we what you use maybe you're having an allergic reaction to it i remember saying right away nope (laughs) you told me she's like and i was like i'd rather you have acne and us be able to have sex yeah (laughs) and i was terrified of having the acne but i'll tell you what you guys i've given that up for years now. She hasn't had acne <laughs> since the day she stopped using face wash. I haven't had any. Not a single So just blemish. to encourage you if, if you, if you feel like there's something hindering your bodies or, um, you know, just affecting your relationship right. and it's something that you want to switch in your personal care products or your house products, yep. don't be afraid of change. Well, and I, and again, this doesn't sound very spiritual, but I want to I want to mention that, um, when we have bad eating habits, it can hinder things like, if we eat junk food all the time, if we eat sugar all the time, it can actually just affect our attitudes. It affect, affects affects our, our attitudes. It can affect our bodies. So, when the Bible tells us that our bodies are the temple of the of the Holy Spirit, when the Bible tells us that we should be wise people, there's it's not unspiritual to be like, well, 
you know, are we being aware of the kinds of things that we're putting in and on our bodies? Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're not going to make this, this is not a law. This is not a rule. This is not a, but for us, you stopped using it and immediately started feeling different in your body. Like within three days, I felt different so much so that I called you and I'm like, I don't want to get too excited, but like mm-hmm. I feel different. And um, within a week, we were able to have pain-free sex. So you can argue with this or not. You can decide to, and now to I do be everything, skeptical. That's fine. I do everything paraben-free. Um, you actually use, if we had like... If less I, products. We, we use way less products way less. overall. Um, and then the products we do do, we just try and not have much chemicals in them. And if you're wondering what facial cleanser I, I switched to since I had to switch my face wash, we actually use um, Dr. Bronner's now, which we, we use for it's a handful of things. essential oils. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but that's a really... Um, easy go-to if you're looking to change out your stuff because I went from like this one face wash and a handful of um, different body washes to just this one so that was an easy switch and so we don't want to get too much into the practicality of it we just want to say that the Lord showed us in our life what might have been the problem and you know what it actually made a big difference for us. Yeah. And, and it was we've the, been, it, it, there was still a long process of us healing mentally yeah. because sex was a scary thing for us. Mm-hmm. It was a hurt. The only experience we had with sex was pain, did. frustration, anger, and fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had a good year and a half of two to two years yeah. of us relearning our sex life. Yeah. Um, how to be intimate really how to be intimate with Even each other like how with to enjoy each other how to mm-hmm. how to pursue each other because we just stopped pursuing each other mm-hmm. so a year and a half two years later i finally found freedom from pornography i just i began to walk in perfect and clean freedom which has been awesome and that's totally started changing almost every aspect of our lives because now i have a healthy view of our sex life even beyond um, what we had before. I know pornography is a huge issue in marriages. And so I don't want anyone listening right now to feel like we're skipping over this yeah, huge marriage issue. Um, we actually want to dedicate a whole nother episode to talking about his and her viewpoints yeah. and experiences with pornography. We'll probably do a handful of episodes because there's a lot of different aspects of this and we've had a lot of experience with it, unfortunately. But as far as our story, Aaron has been free, freed of it. Yeah. And, and I have too, because I did mention that I've struggled with it myself, but we have been walking in purity and it's been mm-hmm. amazing for the intimacy in our relationship. And the authority we get to have in our home mm-hmm. and with others. Mm-hmm. So, so about a year after we were healed physically, um, I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so Elliot, you know, is our oldest. And then we had Olive and Wyatt. And I've mentioned now that I'm pregnant with number four, who's due um, this August. Yeah. And so that kind of leads us up to where we're at today. It's been a long journey. Uh, we've dealt with a lot of different things. Uh you know, ministry and addictions and wanting to be divorced and run away. And, um, and I think we can do some more episodes in the future on some of the aspects of that, those seasons. But we just want you to know that we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. We're still growing and changing. God's constantly working on us because we let him. And wherever you're at in your marriage, you can drop to your knees at any moment and say yes to him. And you can present him with your whole life and say, I want you to have it. And I want you to show me how I need to change. Because oftentimes it, we need to look inward. Mm-hmm. I needed to look inward. Because and, and, it was my perspective on my marriage. Mm-hmm. Divorce was, was no longer an option the moment I said, no matter what happens, I'm going to be here and I'm a lover. Mm-hmm. And I began digging into the word and finding out what it looks like to love her. And it's, and it's still a journey. I, even t- to this day, I'm like, how can I love my wife well today? <laughs> and I mess up sometimes. Yeah. But we just want you to know that our story is not unique. And so wherever you're at in your story, share it. Share it with us. Share it with people you trust in your community. And begin to speak it out loud and drag the things that are in the darkness into the light. Because what, become, what gets dragged into the light becomes light. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've experienced that when you are transparent with others and you are vulnerable enough to share those embarrassing and hard mm-hmm. sins that you've been struggling with. And confess it, them. And it makes you not want to do them again because they know now and they're going to keep you accountable. Mm-hmm. And um, you're not going to want to have to tell them again and again and again and again. Like you just want to be free from that. And so I think that you're right. When you pull things out of the darkness and into the light, um, the devil can't use it as a foothold anymore. No, he can't. And as long as it's hidden, it's a foothold Absolutely. that any enemy can use. And our whole goal in telling you this story is because we desire for marriages to be 
extraordinary mm-hmm. that it's it's that you move beyond just happily ever after when that we, you find your mission together when we first got married we used the word extraordinary even way back then because we we saw ourselves serving god together and we saw ourselves um building mm-hmm. his kingdom we didn't know how or way or which way but nope. but we just knew once we got married it was going to be go time and we saw ourselves <laughs> living extraordinary lives and then all of this stuff happened and we felt mm-hmm. so defeated like it could never happen mm-hmm. but you guys Every day, even through the highs and the lows, we've experienced Mm -hmm. extraordinary things. And I think a big part of that is keeping your eyes on God because he will show you those opportunities and and moments where he's letting you experience extraordinary. Yeah, and the Bible tells us to draw near to God and he will draw near to us. Mm -hmm. No matter how dark the valley was that we walked through or how far we felt we were from God, he was with us. And we know that because he kept pricking our hearts and, and pulling us and drawing us. And you know what? There could be, we could have pushed him away, and we tried. And there was times that we tried to push him away, but there was a part of us that knew he was there, yeah. and so we cling to that. And and when we got to that point of when the the Lord was showing me that story, that could have been I could have easily said, "No, God, I'm done with this." Mm-hmm. But I didn't because I knew who he was and what he did for me. Mm-hmm. So I just want you to know, like it doesn't matter how deep the valley is or how dark it is, that God is there. But you you got to open your ears to him and your eyes to him and you got to release your what you're holding on to to him. Otherwise, he he because he's not going to force it. He's not going to force you. He's not going to turn you into a robot, mm-hmm. which is something I actually prayed a lot. <laughs> I was like, just make me a robot. Just make me into the the thing you want me to be. And he's like, no, because he wants us to choose him. Choosing it is so much more powerful too. Well, it's the, and it's the only way. Yeah. It's not going to happen unless you choose him. And so we cho- chose him. And we chose each other, and because of that, God's transformed us day in and day out, over and over and over again. And we and we continually go back to that. Okay, Lord, your not our will, but your will be done. Mm-hmm. Again, you guys, uh, we shared a lot of our story today, but we also skipped over um, smaller details just for the sake of time. Mm-hmm. If you want those details, don't forget to get your copy of the Unveiled Wife. There's a link in the description. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Also, if you're interested, you can find many more encouraging stories and resources at marriageaftergod.com and let us help you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying or maybe you don't know what to pray or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today.